Welcome back to the CTO Studio. I am your host, Nikolai Walker. Today, Etienne de Bruin and Ted Harrington, who is the executive partner of one of the world's leading security research and consulting firms, ISE, are going to be digging deeply into how Ted found the blockchain bandit. Yeah, that, that story is a, a fun one. Um, so this, this is the blockchain bandit story. And basically what happened was we were performing some security research around we're, – we're, we've been really interested in blockchain technologies, including various cryptocurrencies. And one of our researchers was taking a look at Ethereum wallets. So Ethereum is a type of cryptocurrency, and the wallet is essentially the mechanism that stores your money, just the same way your wallet stores your dollar bills in your pocket. And the way that these wallets work, they have, like anything that secures anything, you know, there's obviously a key to unlocking the things that it protects. And the assumption was that the key is uh, – it's statistically impossible to guess the key. And so um, this research, I love the way he put this. I asked him, you know, help me – let's put into context what that means, statistically impossible. And he said – he sort of thought about it. And he starts rubbing his chin. He's like, well, let's say you go to the beach and you pick up a grain of sand. You throw the grain of sand back, and then the next day you ask your friend to come back to the same beach – What's the chances you pick up the exact same grain of sand? It's like not going to happen. And then you multiply that by every beach on earth, multiply by every desert on earth, multiply by a million billion earths. Like it's, it can't happen. Well, the result of this research that we did, looking at the predictability of keys, something that you, you should never be able to do, we actually were able to predict 732 keys. Now, that's like going to the beach 732 times and I pick up the same grain of sand that you you picked up the day before. It's just it's not going to happen. And so that was just exploiting a, a flawed assumption in how the actual key registration process worked. And so that in of itself was really interesting. Like, wow, we we, we disproved this theory that these are not predictable. So, so let me just ask you. So you're you're, you're essentially evaluating a an algorithm for how a key is generated and you in evaluating it you realized the uniqueness wasn't quite what the claim was you were able to predict what the key would be 732 times is that out of a million billion or is that out of 733 times that was out of i forget what the exact number was no it wasn't it wasn't a one for one it was 732 times out of like uh there were probably a few million guesses but uh, still, the statistical success rate and the statistical probability rate, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it only took us like three or four days to come up with those. But what happened next was, was kind of interesting, too, because since this involved the blockchain, which is publicly available information, we were interested in understanding a little more about these wallets. So the first thing that we did was we went to investigate um, well, if someone now has this key, which we had predicted 732 of them, and then there were certainly more beyond the scope of what we invested time into, how much money are we talking about that's at stake? So we went and we looked at those 732 wallets, and because it's on the blockchain, we could see how much money was in them. And it was it was shocking. It was um, the, the equivalent at that time was about $54 million worth of currency, it was the equivalent of like stacks of cash just sitting out on the sidewalk, right? That's all someone needed to do was do what we just did, 
and they would have the key to the wallet and they could take take this money. I mean, it's tens of millions of dollars. So that stage, we were like, wow, this is really, really cool. This story can't get any cooler. But it did. So then we said, <laughs> well, what's happened with that money? And, of course, we noticed, I didn't mention this a moment ago, but of that $54 million, every single dollar of it had been withdrawn from these bank accounts or from these, uh, from these wallets. And so as we saw that, there's only two reasons why that would happen. The first reason would be someone who owns all of these wallets. It's actually their money, and they're consolidating it to a central place. And, and that was what the, tr- the ledger showed us. The blockchain showed all the money was going to one place. And so one reason would be, okay, this is a person who owns all these. They're consolidating it. No issue. The other would be a thief has figured out what we just figured out and is stealing it. And essentially, sorry, and essentially you can steal it by... By doing a very simple transfer from one key to another, right? You just, you just. So we didn't, we weren't sure which it was, but because the key was predictable, someone else could do that. And so, you know, all this money had been centralized this one place. And of course, mind you, there's no way to ask anybody because of the very nature of cryptocurrency. There's no central resource. It's not like you call up the manufacturer. And you say, hey, I noticed this. Th- there, there is no manufacturer. <laughs> There's no – you can't even call uh, the FBI or any sort of um, nation states law enforcement because it's borderless, which is the benefit to it. But in the cases like this, they're, you're stuck. And uh, so what we did to verify what's actually going on is we ourselves put a dollar's worth of our own currency in one of those compromised wallets to see what would happen. And within an instant, I mean, it was less than 30 seconds, that money was gone, consolidated into the central um, wallet. So we knew that this was clearly somebody who had some sort of automated um, alert, alerting system checking for things like this, and they were able to steal our money. And it was clear that this was a thief. And so we named this person the, uh, the blockchain bandit, and the, uh, we broke the story with the Washington Post yeah, the Washington Post, they wrote a big story about it. And um, so we've been sort of observing what's this person, this thief going to do. And what's interesting is, you know, the pros and the cons, the money's just sitting there. Uh, and we, our theory is because this thief knows that in order to take that money and turn it into fiat currency, dollars or whatever, or euros, um, the authorities will be right there to throw handcuffs on this person. So... They're, they're a little bit limited in what they can do with it. But nevertheless, they've stolen this money. It's irretrievable. There's no recourse. There's no law enforcement action that can be taken. So it's, it's pretty nuts. Of course, my, my mind is racing with sort of all the, all the ways in which that can be exploited. Because you could technically run all sorts of prediction algorithms then, right, to try and find keys? The scope of the research was concluded, right? We were able to prove that this this assumption was flawed about how the keys actually work. But someone who is financially motivated, I mean, we're, we're even pretty sure Blockchain Bandit, this is actually what they're doing. And, um, yeah, to be able to take this type of attack technique and, and scale it, I mean, it's it's crazy. The... <laughs> Oh, what's crazy about it is to catch someone doing it. I mean, it's like if you went to go rob a house and there's another thief in the house who's already robbed everything and you, 
like it's just so bizarre to run into someone else doing the same thing and so well, is 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 ISE doing any work in the crypto space yeah, we have a number of customers that are themselves innovating in this space, and security is obviously a key component to it. And so uh, one thing that's really fun about that is we get to do these uh, security consulting projects or these security assessment projects on these forms of technology that are just completely brand- – I mean, we're talking like revolutionary if blockchain technologies actually are adopted the way that the pioneers of technology of uh, blockchain think that they will be. So in one sense, it's, that's really fun to be on the absolute front cutting edge of technology that does have the potential to really change society. That's, I mean, that's a security consultant's dream to be doing stuff like that. Um, it has some downsides too, of course, though, because the industry, because it's so volatile and is so, unstable in a lot of ways and the future is far from certain um the the fortunes of what's happening in the industry really ebb and flow almost in lockstep with the price of bitcoin and so one of the things that we commonly run into is when you know when when bitcoin's soaring companies are like we're doing everything and then when um when bitcoin's crashing they're like okay everything's on pause and sometimes those things happen in the same day (laughs) and so it's just, uh, it's you know, practically there are some challenges, but it's a cool, cool space to play in. As we speak, I think yesterday there was a bit of a Bitcoin run, right? Or are we still in it? Uh, I don't track the price of Bitcoin on a daily basis, so I'm not entirely sure. Thanks again for joining me in the CTO studio. I would like to give a warm shout out to Etienne de Bruin, who found Ted Harrington for us. Ted Harrington is the executive partner of one of the world's leading security research and consulting firms, ISE, which stands for Independent Security Evaluators. He's also the author of Hackable, which is written to help technology leaders, including especially CTOs, future CTOs, VPs of engineering, and lead developers, better secure software. So I would encourage you to pick up his book at hackablebook.com. Also go to his company and check out securityevaluators.com. While you're there, check out seven CTOs as well. And to continue this conversation, please head over to the ctostudio.fm and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. As always, we will see you next time.